0: You are listening to the Grace of Bel-Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. for the word of God this morning? Who came ready for the word of God? Who came hungry? I'm looking for the people that came hungry for the word of God this morning. Man, man, God is so worthy and his word is so powerful and it changes us from the inside out. If you could turn to the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to be beginning in the very first verse of Acts chapter 8. The book of Acts has been such an incredible season as we've been studying as a church together. It's all about how Christ has built the church from the very beginning, from the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost over the early church of first believers. And then two, 3,000 years later, all these years later, here we are today, that that, that the church is still moving, it's still active, and it's still the Holy Spirit working among his people in and, and, Acts chapter 8 is where we're going to be pick up. But before we go into that, I want to ask you a question. How many of you guys have ever been inside a house where somebody has just baked one of the most incredible gifts from God that he could ever give us, banana bread? My goodness, just like three weeks ago, my lovely wife, she she made an amazing batch of banana bread. She made a few for some of our neighbors that live right next to us, but she made a very special one for me as well. So praise God, thank you for that. And, and what was so incredible about this was I'm upstairs. I'm, I'm in my office that's all the way upstairs. The kitchen's in the first floor and I'm up there, I'm, I'm reading my books, I'm studying, I have music playing, I'm in a whole totally different world, just not, i not connected to anything that's going on here. And all of a sudden, as I'm studying, as I'm flipping through pages, all of a sudden, <laughs> what is that? And then I do it again. What is that smell? And how many of you guys have ever seen Tom and Jerry when the trail of smell, all of a sudden the cat just starts levitating to wherever it is that the the smell is coming from? That's what happened to me. All of a sudden I close my book (laughs) and I start walking down the stairs and the next thing you know I open my eyes and I'm in the kitchen. All of a sudden, there's the banana bread. And it, the oven opens, the banana comes out and it, and it looks like manna from heaven. I'm like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And the aroma that came from that oven, that came from that bread, filled the entire house. And it was so inviting that I would be, before I even knew it, I was where that smell was coming from. How many know that our worship our lives, the scripture teaches us, is like a fragrance, an aroma that fills the temple of God. It fills the throne room where God is when we worship him in spirit and in truth. When we live in a manner, we live our lives as a living sacrifice, as a life that is surrendered to God, living in a conduct that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. It says that that type of, a living, that type of worship, that type of surrender to God, it, it says that it's like that sweet fragrance, just like that smell of a banana bread that filled our entire house. It's like our worship filling the entire throne room of God. How many here, I'm going to ask you a question, and this is you. I want my life to be a sweet fragrance for my God. I want my life to put a smile on my God. Because I love him. And he loved me. And he saved me. And he picked me up. When, when there's a sweet fragrance that begins to happen, when there's, when there's a type of worship where there's this aroma that fills the throne room of God, you know what that does? It invites him closer. It invites him nearer. That's why when we're here worshiping the Lord... You see in those moments where all of a sudden you're just worshiping, you're just worshiping, and all of a sudden you just know that moment where the king walks in through the room, where the king enters the room. He says that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people, and where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. How many of you know that God is here today? God is moving amongst his people And when we have this fragrance that comes off our lives, it invites heaven to draw near. Who here wants their life to be an invitation to God? Come and invade my life, God. Come and take everything that I have. Come, Lord, fill my house. God, come and fill my children. God, come and fill, God, my place of work. God, we want heaven to invade the earth. We want heaven to draw near. And what? how do we invite heaven, you may ask? Is good for you. I have three answers for you this morning. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. It picks up in a very dramatic place in, in the storyline of Acts. What just happened in the chapter before? Stephen, one of the disciples, a young man who was full of boldness and truth. He goes out to the city square and he begins to preach the gospel. And what happens? There's a, crew, a group of Jews that come around that don't like what he's preaching. So what happens? Under the supervision of a man named Saul, which later we learn becomes Paul the apostle, the man who wrote most of the New Testament, under his supervision, they stone him. They kill him, and persecution begins to break out all across the land. Persecution is is an attack and opposition against the church and the people of God. What was happening was that Saul, he he was so convicted that he was like, this little new sect of Judaism, this new faith, this new religion that is working out, and all these things, all these people are starting to believe in this Jesus. We need to crush it. We need to destroy it before it goes on anymore. And how many know in this world today, a vast, vast number of believers, brothers and sisters in the faith, still live in that reality? We read it and it was like, wow, how crazy it was back then. But you know, there's a m- millions upon millions of our brothers and sisters that this is still their reality. People trying to crush their faith, an opposition that's coming. But read with me in verse one, and Saul approved of his execution. And then on that day arose a day of great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men then buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men, he dragged off women, and committed them all to prison. In verse 4, and then it says, Philip, now those who were scattered, the ones that had been just scared and put all over the region because of persecution. It says, now those who were scattered went about doing what? Preaching the word God. My first point this morning, the thing that invites the presence of heaven, of God, and invites him drawn near to us, number one is this, obedience to God's voice, and catch this, obedience to his command, his voice, even when it's hard, and even when it, it seems Crazy. It, it, the church that, that had been now scared, that has been run off all across the region of, of this of this Judea and all here, all hiding all across the region. Uh, now all of a sudden they're everywhere. They were located in one place, but now they're everywhere. And they're, what they kept doing was they didn't stop the work of the Lord. They kept on preaching the word of God. And what's so amazing about this, that just it's so encouraging, is that what the enemy meant to destroy the church, God used it to multiply it all across the region. I don't know what fight you may be fighting right now. I don't know a situation that the enemy has been pressing against you this very week. I want to tell you, we serve a God that what he takes, that what the enemy tried to destroy you with, then becomes the pedestal that you come and you preach the testimonies of God. When when I failed and I fell and I didn't know where to go, he picked me up. When I was lost and broken, that becomes now my testimony of his grace in my life. Look at me today. That's why when you see some people, they're worshiping with such passion and such like, fervor to God. Get to know their story. There's a reason for it. There's a reason why people worship. It, it is in the midst of what the enemy meant that God turned it for good. So then he continues. It says, this is what happened. Verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he proclaimed to them the Christ, who is Jesus, It says, and then the crowds with one accord all paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and they saw the signs, the miracles, and the wonders that he did, it says, for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And so many that were paralyzed or lame were healed. And in verse 8, so what happened in that city? There was much joy that broke out in that city. Heaven came down in Samaria. Heaven was invited to that city because a man named Philip decided in the midst of the fight, in the midst of the persecution, I will still obey his voice. Obedience in your life will invite the presence of God and invite heaven to come into it wherever it is that you're walking Obedience is something that, that is, is, is so precious in the eyes of Christ because it says what it says to God is that comfort no longer is my highest value, but sacrifice is. When our whole culture and our whole world is all about comfort, how can we make our lives the most comfortable that it can be? The kingdom of God goes the other direction. It says, how much can I sacrifice for my God? That's what invites heaven, and that's what invited heaven into the city of Samaria. I remember I was in a town in Chile where they held this great, it was like a revival meeting, an evangelistic meeting out in the city square, out in the middle of this big room auditorium, but that was open for people to come from the city that were just walking around. And there were many people who were out there and, and many just people that were struggling with a lot of things in the city. And as we're sitting there, it was a moment in my life where I can say, I saw heaven touch earth. The type of worship that was just coming out of this room, the type of worship that was just being lifted in the middle of the city, it attracted hundreds of people to come. They heard this music and they're, what is that? They came and, and I saw, I heard in the middle of worship screams of unclean spirits coming out of people that had come. That in, they came in oppressed in bondage to the enemy, but they left rejoicing with their chains having been broken by God. They left filled with the Spirit of God. I, in that moment, there was a holy hush that came over the room. But as we just were in awe and wonder of the majesty of who our God is, that the living God would come near to us. And after all that happened, it was hours later. No one was tired of worshiping God. And what happened from that place? Somebody grabbed the tambourine, started shaking it. Then somebody was like, let me grab this guitar. Somebody hopped on the drums. And before you know it, we had the wildest party of praise that we've, I've ever experienced in my life. Because what happens when heaven draws near, the gates of hell begin to shake. What happens when heaven draws near, everything must bow before the Lord. And what happens when heaven draws near, joy explodes in that place. So my question this morning, do you want heaven to draw near? Do you want heaven to draw near in us? It says that obedience in the midst of hardship is the way. Christ said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's one of those testimonies, one of those scriptures that is something we ought to come back to over and over. Because what are gates designed for? It's a, it's a defensive mechanism. So Christ was already under the assumption that the church would be on the offensive. The gates of hell will not prevail and the church goes forward. But what it takes is a people of God that say, I'm willing to obey God even when it's hard. And even when it's crazy. I, I, I was at this... Uh, Kind of, it was like a little conference, a little training with different pastors. And uh, the main speaker, he was a pastor, and he was sharing a testimony from his church. Their church, what they were having, they were having a whole series of teachings about hearing the voice of God, being obedient to the Lord, being stepping out in faith to what God wanted to do. And so there's this 22-year-old college girl that heard that message, and the Holy Spirit just lit a fire in her heart. And she was like, God, I want to do that. I want, I want to step out in faith. I want to do something a little different than my routine. I, I, want, I want to be used by you, God. I want to hear you. So she, what she does, she goes like, all right, today I have to go get groceries. So I'm going to surrender my grocery trip to you, God. And I'm going to go to the other side of town and go specifically there because maybe, God, you'll, you'll use me, God. I, I surrender my grocery trip, Lord. Would you use it for your glory? Amen. She gets in her car and starts driving to the, this other side of town. And she doesn't know where she's going to go. And just in her heart, she's like praying, oh, God, where, where should I go? Where should I go? Until eventually she sees this little corner store in another neighborhood she's never been in. And it's a corner store that was owned by somebody. There was chips, and, you know, fruit. It's a small little store. And, she, and as soon as she saw it, she felt in her heart, that's where I need to go. That's where, that's where I need to go. Maybe God has something for me there. Let me, let me go there. So she parts her car walks into the store, and, and sees, like, the cashier, and there's other people there browsing, and so she's like, okay, Lord, so as she starts looking through the chips, you know, trying to be nonchalant, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, she just feels like, God, what, what do you want me to do right now? And she says the Lord, tell her, do a handstand. <laughs> what? Nah, like, <laughs> no, like, that, no, that can't be God. That's crazy. So she keeps looking. Now she's looking through the sodas, you know, the fruits and stuff like that. And she's like, God, like, seriously, like, I'm here, Lord. Like, I want to I be obedient. I want to follow your voice. And she senses in her heart, again, do a handstand. No, that's the devil. that got to be the devil talking to her, right? <laughs> that's, that, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. I look like a lunatic. And she goes like, so she continues, and, and, and she's just wrestling with it. She's like, God, like, seriously, what – do you want me to do today? And she just, it wouldn't shake off. She just felt this burning feeling in her heart that she needed to do a handstand. (laughs) So she's like, all right, all right, I'm going to do it. Nobody knows me anyway, so (laughs) I'm doing, I'm out. I'm going to do it quick. So she waits until everybody in the store is gone, out of the store, and it's just the cashier. She's like, all right, (laughs) I'm going to do it now. And then she goes up to the cashier. She's like, hey, guess what I can do? It does a handstand. She's like, she's on her hands. She's like, what the heck am I doing right now? <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> what is wrong with me? She comes up, and she walks up to the cashier. She's already apologizing. I'm sorry. That was so weird. Uh, like I really, like, I'm, and as she's apologizing for what she just did, she notices this man that's sitting there, just like a 27-year-old Indian man, just begins to weep, weep, and He just looks looks at her. It says, you have no idea what you just did. This morning, on this way to this ship, I said, God, I'm going to kill myself. going to end it all. And out of anger, out of frustration, and out of a challenge almost to God, even if you are real, would you send somebody to my store today to do a handstand? And the girl, when she heard that, she broke, and she started crying, and, the man, and she ended up leading that man to Christ, and he's part of the church that that pastor was from. Praise God someone was listening. But something that I've learned, church, listening is not the hardest part. <laughs> Obediences. Obedience. But when we obey, and when his glory becomes our highest priority, our comfort, and even our dignity, fall to the wayside. And that's number one. Number two, the thing, the second thing that invites the presence of heaven, invites heaven on earth in our lives, is two. Refusing bitterness and selfish ambition. If you go to Acts chapter eight, we continue in verse nine and, and we enter into a scene that is so is very interesting. It's always interested me, is of Simon the Sorcerer. Is a man it says Philip in that in that in that town was preaching and it says there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city And he amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. He was a prideful man who who worked with with magic. He worked to give awe and wonder to the whole city. And it says, they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic. And in verse 12, it continues, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news. So they heard the good news. They believed. They believed in Christ. They saw what he did. It says, and they believed the good news of the kingdom of God. And in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon, the sorcerer in the city, was baptized himself. And he, he himself believed. After being baptized, he continued to Philip, And seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he continued to be amazed. How many you know that the devil doesn't hold a candle to our God? God is so much greater, so much more creative. He is so much greater and higher than the enemy. And, and he is so amazing. So Simon, he was amazed by what he was seeing Philip do in the city. And it says in verse 14, then it continues. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, the A-team. They sent the A-team to go there and to go minister to them. Because it says, In verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit? These were people that heard the gospel. They believed the Lord. They were adopted as sons and daughters. They were renewed by the Spirit inside, born again. But Peter and John knew there is more for them. There is more that they have. Church, how do you know how many know there is more for you today in God's kingdom? There is more for all of us. If, there, if, there, if you've been saved for a week, God has more for you to show you. If you've been saved for 45 years, God still has more for you. And he says that he says, God has more for them. They have not yet received the Holy Spirit for he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So in verse 17 it says, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. God had more for them. God has more for you. Verse 18, it continues. So the Holy Spirit... Falls on them, they lay hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit, they're baptized in the Spirit, and clearly what was happening was wonderful and miraculous in that moment. Because Simon saw what was going on, and he says, Now, when Simon saw the Spirit was given on through the laying on of hands by the apostles' hands, he went up to them, he says, Whatever you guys are doing, that that whatever these people are experiencing, I want it, I want that power. I want to experience that that, that that power and the moving of the Holy Spirit. But he went at it from a wrong motivation because what did he do? He says, I'll give you money if I can have whatever you guys have. I'll, I'll give you money. I, I, want, I, want, I want that. I want to experience that. But he says that he was coming from a place that was not correct in, in God's eyes. It says, "So when he saw them, he, he said, give me this power so that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, this was his response to Simon the sorcerer, May your money, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. Verse 21, you, don't, you neither part nor lot in this matter be why? What he wanted was heaven to draw near to him. You do not have part or lot in this matter. Again, he was born again. He had placed his faith in Christ. You do not have lot in this matter. Why? For your heart is not right before God. Verse 22, he says, Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, if possible, that the intent of your heart may be forgiven. And this is verse 23 where I get the second point. It says, for that I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. Based on what he was saying, it looked like he just was wanting to give money to get this power. But Peter saw right through it. Peter had the discernment. What was the heart behind it? It was a heart of pride that always will lead to bitterness. Bitterness is a gall, it says. And I was I was wondering, like, what is that word gall? I, I've never really heard it other than when people you know do something crazy and they're like, the gall. <laughs> you know, I can't believe they would do something like that. So I looked at it and I was reading about it. It's like, what is it? And it says, the gall is the bile that is found inside of the liver. It is the disgusting bile when somebody is sick that is sticky, it is smelly. And it, it, it gets on everything when it's exposed. And he's, that's the word that he uses to describe bitterness. So we just lost power this last week in the storm. How many of you guys lost power in your homes? And if some of you lost it for a week, I heard. What happens when your fish that you were going to eat on, on Thursday stays in there all week when there's no power? You open the fridge, and what happens? What is that? (laughs) Let me check. And everything in the fridge could be totally fine. Everything could be in order. But that one stinky fish fills the entire house with that wicked, awful smell. (laughs) Do you see the comparison? When you open the oven and the banana bread comes out, what fills the house? What fills the room? fills it with delight it fills it with an invitation come enjoy what we're preparing for you when we worship from a place of sacrifice when the stage no longer becomes a pedestal where it's no longer a platform but it's an altar. <laughs> That is worship that will draw the activity of heaven near. But when we serve out of a place or we do things out of a place or we we do this and that and this and that and that, out of a place that is not rooted in that, it's like that stinky fish when you open the fridge and you're like, whoa, what is that? It fills the house. It's a goal that gets on everything. So God right now, he, he's, he's speaking directly to Simon and say, "Hey, everything on the outside looks good. Everything on the outside looks fine." This guy, this guy like he could blend in in the, in the room. But Peter in the sermon, he saw, "But there's a gall on you, and that's bitterness. It, each and every single one of us in this room have our own prior responsibility to guard our hearts from bitterness. I cannot guard your heart for you. And you cannot guard my heart for me. It's something that we have to render unto God and say, none of us is above it and and free from the dangers of it. If I'm up here and I'm preaching from a place that I want you guys to like me, and I want you guys to clap for every point that I make, let me tell you, that's encouraging. But if that's my motivation, I've totally missed it. It's totally went over my head. But if the motivation is the glory of God, that will protect us, protect us from the gall of bitterness. And let me tell you, when we resist it, when we push it back, when we decide this will not overtake my heart, that will invite heaven to come near. It, 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 so and you continue, it says in verse 22, it, it uh, Peter gives him that command, replant therefore wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible, for your intent of your heart to be forgiven. For I see the gall of bitterness in the bond of iniquity. And then this was Simon's response. That this is so important. I'm not preaching this from a place that I've been above it, that I haven't fallen victim of it, that I've been offended and I've I've fallen into a place of bitterness. I'm speaking from a place that I've been discipled in a place that set me free. Set me free. I'm preaching it from that place. It says, listen to his response. It says, oh, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said will come upon me. I love this. Because he says, he he says, pray for me. He didn't get mad and church hop for the next two years looking where to go. Losing two years of their Christian walk where they could have been growing, multiplying disciples. They didn't put on a fake face and smile while the inside they were burning. They didn't go and gossip. What did he do? And this is a beautiful world. This is what he did. He repented. He repented to the Lord. Let it be true of me, God. If, far be it from me. If I ever find my place and I find myself where my heart is a stinky fish, that I wouldn't be willing to say, God, Help me. Forgive me. It, it, there's a this, this scripture in, in 1 Peter chapter 5 that is so powerful. And every time I read it, it makes me tremble. <laughs> it, I encourage you, anytime like, you get mad about something, read it. Um, it, makes me, it makes me tremble before the Lord because it says, God opposes the proud. He's speaking to Christians here. He's not talking to the lost world out there. He's talking to the church. You could be born again coming to church every week and be plagued by bitterness and pride and find yourself opposing God. When we hear that, we must be, we, it must be sobering to the spirit to say, oh God, is that in me? Because if it is, Father, cleanse me from this. Because I want, I want my heart to be like that baked bread that fills your throne room with delight. I don't want my heart, when you open it, to be that stinky fish that fills your throne room with the gall of bitterness. I want to invite the worship team, if you'll come forward. Point number three is he, he finishes this, this see, scene. Luke finishes the scene with Simon the, the sorcerer, and then he follows onto a juxtaposition, uh, uh, like a, a comparison between the one and the other. He then begins to speak of another character. His, it was the Ethiopian eunuch. It says in verse 26, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south of the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. 27, I love this. What'd he do? He rose and went. It was one verse between the command and the obedience. God, let it be so with me. He, 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 he went and he rose and then there was an Ethiopian eunuch A court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning to his seated in in his chariot when he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29, and then the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. Praise God, Philip was listening. Amen. He, he goes over, and he sits next to him, and, and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what, what this book is talking about? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Well, that shows me, and there's a humility in this man's heart. I want to know, who is this God? Who, who, who is this one that this prophet is speaking of? He reads these scriptures that are speaking about Christ and Jesus, and but. Verse 34 says, And then the eunuch said to Philip, Whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this is? Is he talking about himself or somebody else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news of Jesus. How many know there's nothing more precious than a soul that is genuinely hungry for God? Just heard a testimony this week of to some friends that were ministering from a church in in the prison uh, that this week two men in prison
1: genuinely
0: hungry for God accepted the Lord as their Savior this week two men whose destinies were changed two men that came to him in a place of broken humble hunger for God I said God I need you and their lives were forever changed heaven loves to draw near to the humble heart that same scripture I told you that he opposes the proud the very next phrase says but he will put his hand upon the humble and he will lift them up in due season We all know them, those people that that you just look to them and you just see how humble and hungry they are for God. I think of grandma. Every night just coming into the presence of God and just in a humble, quiet place. Nobody will ever know. It's not blasted on social media, but it's a quiet pursuit for God. All of us have somebody like that in our lives that we just admire. We say, wow, it seems like the world's falling apart, but you seem steady. It hasn't shifted, it hasn't shaken. There's something so comforting about that. We all all know those people, all those who carry that, 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 that sweet spirit about them in their pursuit of God. Isn't it just so inviting to be around those people? I just sense the Lord just speak this word to me as I just began to think of all those people in my life who just, I admire their faith. I I, I long, God, that I would have a heart like theirs and just how they hunger for you in such a place of humility. God, just like this Ethiopian eunuch, give me that heart, God. Just like those men in the prison that just were broken that needed you, God, give me that heart. And then all of a sudden, this is the word I felt from the Lord says, this can be you too. doesn't have to stay. It's just those people, those special people. But God today is inviting us to say, this can be you too. So I want to ask you, would you guys stand up in this moment? We're going to pray to finish. I want to invite the prayer teams if they come forward this, this morning. If you bow your heads and just close your eyes. as we quiet our hearts to the Lord I'm gonna ask a question and you can be honest with God he is so merciful he is so full of grace I just imagine Simon after this encounter he went on to be part of the church in Samaria a brother in the Lord full of the joy of the Lord. The story doesn't have to end where it's at right now. Your story is not over. God has a future for you. God has more for you. And this can be you. This type of hunger, this type of humility, it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is something that we can ask this moment. God, would you give us this hunger? And why is this so important? Why is my heart's cry that we would be a humble people before the presence of God? It's because I want to see heaven touch the earth through your life. I want to see where you go, heaven invades. I want to see you go to those stores, those grocery stores, and see people come to know Jesus. I want to see the Lord coming and and filling your home with his presence, with his joy, with his healing. I want to see your children grow in the Lord, full of passion for God in a future that is rooted in his word. Why do we do this? Why is this so important? Why do we preach? Why do we sing? Why do we create graphics? Why do we lead our children? Why do we give our tithes? Why do we take care of the babies in the nursery? Why do we do outreaches and plan all these events? Why do we do all of this? Why? Why? It's because he is worthy of it. He is worthy of all that we do, all that we give, all that we are. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who's a friend that sits closer than a brother. So today, God, I just pray for every heart, God, every heart that's in this place, that, God, you would give us that heart. you give us this desire in this moment. The team is going to sing this chorus one more time, and I want to give you as an opportunity for you to respond to the word of God and the spirit of God. If God were to open your heart right now, what would he do? mouth and sing together yes Lord. today we thank you god oh merciful king oh gracious father oh god who who never gives up on his children oh god who lifts us up oh god who shines his sun, shines his face over us oh god who delights over his children Oh, Father, who, who who gave his one and only son for us. We ask you, would you come and would you renew our hearts today? Lord, we pray for heaven to come. Heaven, come down. Heaven, come down. Lord, to the one who it's obedient, God, I pray give them the courage and the strength to follow your voice. Father, for the one who's been, uh, in Spanish we say enredado, caught in the trap of bitterness and pride, would you set them free in this moment, Jesus? And Father, and for the ones, God, who just desire to have that humble hunger for you, would you give them that gift that is of your spirit? Oh God, and I just look forward to look forward to the glory that is going to be made known because of the decisions people make today God I thank you for the future fruit that will go before them and God I ask you right now for every family every heart that that God you would just go with them this week now that God that you would just multiply them that you would open the windows of heaven over them, that you'd pour out your spirit, pour out your blessings, and that you would guide them in every step of this week, God. God, we thank you. We love you. In your precious holy name, all God's people say, amen. And can we give a shout to God? Thank him for his goodness. You see your glory. If you need prayer, we're going to be here ready to pray. And if not, you're dismissed. We love you so much. We also have those sign If you'd like to serve on Saturday, we would love to have you. We love you guys, and have an incredible day. God bless.